0: This episode of The Short-Term Show has been brought to you by your friendly short-term shop real estate agent. We are hyper-local and totally dedicated to your success. Whether you want to buy your next short-term rental or sell the one you currently own, we would be honored to earn your business. We are in all of the best vacation markets in America. Find us at theshorttermshop.com. That's the short brokered by eXp.
1: Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the short-term show. Today we have a really cool guest. Her name is Katie Klein. She comes from the luxury hotel space. So I always find these types of stories to be really interesting because most of the people we talk to come from the investing space into the hospitality space and she's done it the other way around. So really interested to hear her story today. How's it going, Katie?
2: Very good. Thanks for having me on, Avery. Big fan of the show.
1: Oh, well, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for listening.
2: Of course.
1: All right. So let's start at the beginning. Why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit of background and how you got into real estate investing?
2: Absolutely. So um, much like you said, I'm a bit newer to the SDR space. I just uh, closed on my first STR property at the beginning of this year. I also own a long-term rental abroad in London, where I was just living for the last six years. Um, So that was kind of my first step onto the real estate ladder. Um, But just like you said, I'm coming at this from a deep background of hospitality. Um, I worked for some of the largest hotel companies, um, looking after global communications for brands like the Ritz-Carlton Edition Bulgari, St. Regis, W Hotels, you name it. So, it's been really really fun to apply the lessons from that space to my own personal STR. Uh we have a joke in the hotel world where we're always like, well, one day I'll have my own hotel and I'll be able to do all these things right. And, you know, as you know, owning STRs feels like having a little mini hotel sometimes.
1: Yes, it totally does. Sorry, I was stuck on mute. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Yeah. So, well, let's let's talk about that. So, Where is your STR?
2: Um, It's in the Lake George area. So upstate New York, in the town called Bolt Landing.
1: Okay, and why did you choose that area? Or is there a specific reason?
2: there is. Yeah. My husband and I, um, we started dating about 15 years ago and we used to spend every summer camping in the Lake George area. So we'd always go up there and have the dream of, oh, one day it would be wonderful to own a property there. Um, So as I mentioned, we were living in the UK for about six years. We decided to move back to the States. Unfortunately, my my mother is quite ill. um, And we knew we wanted to move back to the New York City area to be close to my mom. But obviously the real estate market here is a bit crazy and not knowing if we want to stay. In New York City, long term, it just wasn't even worth um, attempting to look at the astronomical numbers here. So we thought maybe this is the moment to to start looking at short term rentals, and that felt like a perfect introductory market to us. Um, similar to something that you've referenced in your book, actually, the Lake George area has been a vacation market for for decades and decades. So short term rentals is not new, even though maybe the term Airbnb is new. So that gave us a lot of confidence in investing there and also having the personal background with Lake George, knowing the type of clientele, knowing the seasonality of it made us feel a bit more prepared um, to actually take the leap and invest.
1: Awesome. And yeah, I like the way you put that, that short-term rentals are not new. The word Airbnb is new. And you hear people all the time saying, well, this market's saturated or that market's saturated. And they love to say that the the very, very mature short-term rental markets that have been only short-term rental markets since the 50s or the 30s in some cases are saturated. And I just want to be like, guys, like these markets existed before people started posting about them on the internet. They existed before the internet. So um, but a lot of people like to say because they see the name of that town a lot that oh it's saturated, and that's not necessarily the case. So that's I like
2: in our experience too, it actually gives a real hole in the market. If you look at a lot of the listings. Um, A lot of them are not renovated or not to maybe the kind of Instagrammable uh, decor and design that a lot of us are looking for when we travel. Um, A lot of the listings are still using iPhone photos or, you know, not really showcasing the properties in a way that you would market a proper business. So while there are a a good amount of of short-term rentals in the Lake George area, it was a bit I don't want to say easy, but easy to stand out from the rest just by coming at this um, with a different perspective.
1: Yeah, let's talk about that. So what are some of the key things that you learned in the hotel industry that have translated over really well to being a short-term rental investor? I
2: think something that the hotel industry does really well is understands branding. Um, And this doesn't mean all brands do it well. I think good brands, you want that kind of visceral reaction. And I think W Hotels does it really well. When you walk into a W Hotel, you think, oh my gosh, I love this. Or you think, wow, I hate this. There's really (laughs) no in between. And that's great. That means W stands for something. They're specific. They know who they're talking to. And it's not going to appeal to everyone along the way. I think it's those brands that try to be everything to everyone that just come off quite beige and bland and end up meaning nothing to anybody. So I think that's really important for us as SDR owners to think like, who am I as a brand and what do I represent? And then within that, it's really understanding your unique selling points. So when I think about how we would open new hotels or renovate existing hotels, we would travel to that market to first get an understanding of what does it mean to be in that destination? I just got back from Huntington Beach, California yesterday, and you can't go to Huntington Beach without thinking about surfing. Even if you're not there to surf, it's a surf town. So if you're a hotelier in that area, I'm sure that's top of mind for you. Um, But then once we would understand what the destination meant and, and really what it was bringing to the table that was different from other areas around it, we would understand what our hotel had or was going to have that was different than the other hotels in the area. So were we the only ones with beach views or were we the only ones with a rooftop swimming pool or maybe we were the only one catering to families when everybody else was catering to business travelers, and then using those unique selling points, that would really be the foundation for everything we did for PR, for marketing, for branding, for social media, and even for design. So when I think about our our house in Lake George, we're not on the lake. We're about a mile away from from the water, but we are secluded. We have over 6 acres. We're surrounded by forest and, you know, you hear bird song in the morning. We have a really great amount of space for larger families or or, you know, groups of friends and whatnot. So everything that we do is not necessarily going to scream lake. We're not going to um, decorate the house in in blues and whites of nautical. We're not going to put lake photos all over our social media feed. We really want to lean into what our unique selling points are, which is this kind of remote, um, idyllic nature location.
1: Gotcha. And I would imagine even the people that aren't right on the lake are all decorating everything with trout and fish stuff and nautical stuff so so many bears so much red it? and black plaid which yes. you know has its
2: has its moment sure but like it's just yeah, it's using, you You want it to feel, you want to feel like you're in that destination. We have an incredible stone fireplace um, that is this really Adirondack-y stone. And for a minute, we were thinking about kind of graywashing it. And it was from getting under the hood of the destination and driving around a lot. We were like, hang on, this is such a signature look of the Adirondacks. We can't take it away. So how can we highlight it instead and, and really bring it, make it modern, but in a way that still feels uniquely Adirondack?
1: Gotcha. So what are some other things that you've done for your property to kind of make sure that it stands out from the the bears and the trout and all that stuff?
2: Yeah, I think um, thinking about the way that I approached PR and marketing for my hotel brands is a really important way of of what I think about for our property as well. Um, Something I've been doing a lot of is working with social media influencers. And I did this with hotels too. And there are a lot of people out there that will require you to pay. And that's just not something I'm in the ability to do right now. But what I can do instead is offer a barter stay. So they can come and stay and experience the property. And in return, they can give me some photos or some videos or some drone assets that will then Help me to um, showcase the property on Airbnb or Verbo or on my own website or on our social media page. And that's worked really well. I'm not looking for the people who have millions of followers. I'm looking for the people who are fairly local. So they're not hopping on a plane to get to me. They're able to come, you know, at a, a fairly convenient time. And that capture the aesthetics of a place the way that i think my brand should come through so um just recently have done a few of those days that's been super successful um also even looking at uh, marketing tactics like offering free giveaways so you know growing our social media database in, in that respect um i think it's really important to think about how we can market our properties. And I think people are so visual, whether it be videos or photos, that helps them to decide if they do want to stay at your property or if it's not a good fit.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with that. And pro photos are in good, good pro photos, not necessarily just pro are really so, so important. And I think a lot of people get in a hurry. And they're like, well, I'll just use my iPhone. It's got a great camera. And yes, they do have great cameras, but you might not be a great photographer. (laughs) So it's just so important to make sure that those photos really stand out and and draw you in because people aren't going to read your listing. They're never going to click to read your listing unless the photos grab them and suck them in. So that's so important.
2: And how are you showcasing your property in a way that's true to what it is? You know, it was funny, one of our first photo shoots, I was talking to the photographer and she said she shoots a ton of of places. And I said, oh, have you ever had to make a place that wasn't really great, you know, look good or vice versa or whatnot? And she said, I do feel bad sometimes when a place looks really good in photos. But from her being there, she's like noticing a smell or noticing things aren't as Um, kept up to date as possible. And I think the last thing you want is people to arrive and have their expectations dashed. You want them to come in and and actually be even more impressed. Um, When I used to work for a brand called La Meridian, we did some customer research and realized that It's within the first 10 minutes of a guest arrival that sets the tone for the entire stay. So with the hotel side, we were thinking about, you know, how do we redesign lobbies? How do we create this guest experience to make sure we're over-delivering in that first 10 minutes? And I think that's something really important for STR owners, too. And that's much more than did you give the lockbox code or um, how are they actually physically getting into your property? But it's did you give detailed enough directions so that they're not getting lost and passing the house a few times? Times, or is there a light that comes on at night if they're arriving in the darkness and just really thinking through if you are that guest how can you make sure that when you first walk in you're thinking this is going to be fantastic because we all know as hosts if that's their first experience the rest of this day is going to be easier than if we're going to be having to recover from from a poor arrival experience
1: I totally agree with that. And that's not something that I've thought about really before that, that for how crucial the first 10 minutes is. Because if they have a hard time getting in, then they're going to be like, oh, they're already annoyed, or exactly. they couldn't find it, they're already annoyed. So yeah. anything else that happens, they might be a little bit more sensitive to.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Or you walk in and you see something, is not as clean as that you expected it to be. Now, all of a sudden you're looking around and you're inspecting every inch of the house versus if you walk in and everything is, you know, appears wonderful, you're not going to have that critical eye.
1: Yeah. Got it. So very, very, very good tip. So you're doing all this marketing with social media influencers and stuff. Are you doing a lot of direct bookings because of that?
2: I'm not actually. It's funny, you know, in listening to your podcast and a lot of other amazing podcasts out there, of course, there's so much conversation around direct booking. Um, maybe it's because I'm new, but I see a lot of positives to working with Airbnb. I also work with Verbo, but I see the majority of my bookings come from Airbnb. Um, I like the fact that I don't need to worry about a payment platform or legal or um, you know air cover and all those types of things that Airbnb is taking care of for me. I don't need... To put together the, the contract for them to sign. I know different hosts have different opinions on this. And, you know, potentially if one day I have many more doors in the future, I might feel differently on that. But I do think the value that Airbnb and, and similar OTAs provide for the fee that they're costing is kind of um, you know, fair to me.
1: Yeah, I agree with that. I'm a big Airbnb fan. I don't, I'm, I'm at this point in my career I'm tired <laughs> and I don't want to have to be doing a lot of things all the time. Yeah. I just had a friend uh in a group text earlier earlier this week say, "Oh, well somebody just that stayed in our house did a chargeback. They stayed in it like 3 months ago and they just did a chargeback now and I don't want to have to deal with that." I totally agree. Let's yeah, let somebody yeah. else deal with that.
2: <laughs> I feel the same way and you know, I see the value of of what they're doing in terms of marketing my You know, the fact that you can prepare your house and turn it on and within one week, if not less, have a booking, that's the value that they're providing to us as hosts. So and of course, we know the value that we're providing to the platform as well, but I see it as a a symbiotic relationship. Of course, if fees change in the future, we might feel differently. But right now, it's working very well for us.
1: I totally am on the same page with you. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I, I get the idea and the importance of the direct booking sites. And I have one, but we just we don't push it like a lot of people do just because we're yeah. we're doing fine the way we are.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I think an, another thing that's really interesting from the hotel world to STRs is thinking about design. Um, so I wasn't, of course, a, a hotel designer, but I was friends with a lot of people who were and still to this day am friends with them. And I called up one of them when we acquired this property and said, tell me about what you think about when you're designing a hotel room versus when you're designing your home. And I think we all know that um, people, when they stay at hotels, they say they want it to feel residential and they, they do. But if you think about that three, 400 square foot space, that's serving as a place for you to sleep, for you to eat, for you to work, for you to get ready. I mean, it's doing a lot of jobs in, in a small amount of space. So, you know, some of the tips that she said to me were, Um, Number one, paint is your best friend, and that that couldn't be truer. Um, The house that we purchased, just getting rid of all of the bad carpets and curtains and putting a fresh coat of paint on the walls. I mean, it already looked a hundred times better than than when we started. Um, she talked about fabrics, so really thinking through when you're picking your couches or your fabric chairs. Don't pick those matte fabrics that are going to show every nick or scuff or stain. Think about textures, about you know bouclés or um, leathers, things that will be a bit more forgiving and will wear well throughout time. Um, she talked about uplighting how you could think about that behind plants and plants was another thing su- she suggested as well there are a lot of nice looking fake plants out there nowadays um, that don't require the upkeep of a, of a live plant of course but still look as nice and bring a little bit of of life to the space um, and surfaces in your dining area you know you don't want the wood table that can scuff easily or that's going to leave ring marks because we all know people are not going to use your coasters it's really nice that we leave them out but they're not going to use your coasters and at home i have fabric dining chairs but in my str i want a dining chair that looks nice feels comfortable but is something that you can wipe down i think we want people to feel comfortable in these spaces and not feel like it's a museum that they are going to mess up at any given spot so you know how can we set them up for success and then in turn set our our properties up for long-lasting success as well
1: Hey guys, hope you are enjoying this week's episode of The Short Term Show. We are loving it. We are loving interviewing all these guests for you guys, and we hope you're getting a lot of value out of it. And we just, we really love you guys. We love you so much that we have created a community just for you. We have a Facebook group specifically for short-term rental investors, and there are tons of great posts every day, sharing best practices, learning new things from other short-term rental investors. And we would love to see you over there. The name of the group is the same name as my book, Short-Term Rental, Long-Term Wealth. Head over and join the conversation. We look forward to seeing you over there. Thanks, guys.
0: If you like what you're hearing, if you're picking up what I'm putting down, you can join me on a live weekly call. To talk about your next short term rental or ask questions about the one you already have. I am live once per week on Zoom. I would love to have you come and say hello. It's strquestions.com. That's strquestions.com. Come and join us.
1: Yeah, that's so important that you want it to feel luxury, like they're really excited to be there, but at the same time, not so much that they might, that they feel like they can't sit down. (laughs) Exactly. So, exactly, finding that balance.
2: <laughs> Absolutely.
1: Yeah. So, what else? What else have you learned from the hotel world that you've brought over to the short-term rental world? Because I just I find that so fascinating. That whole uh, and you're the second person we've had on that came from the hotel world that got into short-term rentals and how there are so many similarities, but on the bigger picture, seems to be they there seems to be a lot of friction between those two entities. Yeah, I think it it depends how you look at your business,
2: right? Like, I, I, and I'm in like these Airbnb um, uh, host groups for the area, and you know there was a question recently about allowing bachelorette parties or or not, and you have so many people who I think are understandably so protective of their assets that we're forgetting we're in the we're, we're in the business of experiences, right? You know, no one comes home from a vacation and says, oh, I just loved that couch. Or man, the woodwork on that home was incredible. I mean, maybe they do, sure. But more likely than not, they're saying, I had such a great time with my family. Or we you know, had a blast playing board games every night together and felt really connected after we left that experience. So I decided at the very beginning of this, I'm going to assume good intent from all of my customers um, and my clients and be there to really support them and get to know them and understand why they're visiting and be that kind of personal concierge to them, not in terms of booking things for them, but just giving those suggestions to them before they arrive. Um, I think hotels do a good job of understanding their customers and having it as a two-way conversation too. So first is before they arrive, hotels, we spend a lot of time talking about feeder markets. So where, where are your customers traveling from? That helps you for two reasons. One, It helps you to understand their arrival experience in terms of before they walk through the door. So did they fly to get to you or did they drive to get to you and where are they coming from? And then secondly, it helps you to know where to market in the future. So if you know, for for me and like George, I know they're coming from, you know, kind of surrounding drive states. Um, If I want to look at ads in the future or, you know, working with influencers who have reach in certain areas, I'm a bit more able to be targeted to people who are more likely to come and stay and then i think the other half of that is the fact that it's a two-way dialogue so after the stay is over or even during the stay what can we be learning from our customers as well so I have always lived in in big cities in my adult life. So the fact that our short-term rental is about a 40-minute drive from Saratoga Racetrack, I thought that's two different trips. 40 minutes, that's so far away. Uh, if you're if you're going there, you're staying over there. Surely you're not going between the two. And what I learned through this first busy summer season was more than half of my guests were actually spending at least a day at the races as well. So that helps me to understand how I can then cater to future guests and, you know, suggest that to them and understand different experiences that I can suggest to them if they are indeed going to the races. So I think knowing your customer is just crucial, probably for any business, but of course, in our our world of hospitality.
1: Yeah. And I think that, I really what I appreciate most as a guest is back to your in the first 10 minutes or even before the first 10 minutes thing is a digital guidebook. So there are Mm -hmm. things that I need to know when I'm hauling my two small kids and my husband who might as well be a really tall, small kid and sometimes a chihuahua with us. There's things Mm -hmm. that I want to know. Before we get there, that I'm not going to bother the host with messaging to ask. So I want to know what kind of coffee machine and what kind of coffee is there, like what I need to get at the store, what's there. So I know what I need to get on the way in. So I don't have to leave again when I get there. And things that I want to know uh, is grocery delivery available? I'm a big fan of that. I would rather not have to stop on the way in, or is there any, what DoorDash is that available there? These are all the things that I want to know because that affects what I do before I get there.
2: Definitely. And I think that's so key to knowing your customer, you know, for, for someone like myself as well, I live on, you know, DoorDash or Grubhub or what have you, and was really interested to see that that doesn't exist where my short-term rental is. So Mm -hmm. that's fine, of course, but a lot of my guests are in similar aspects. So telling them before they arrive, hey, just so you know, you know, you can pre-order your groceries here. Unfortunately, no one delivers. Or if you want pizza, you have to actually pick up the phone and call and then they'll drive out to you to deliver it. So yeah, absolutely. Knowing, knowing your customer and then how can we um, reduce any friction for them during their stay so that they can just enjoy their vacation?
1: Yeah, I'm 100%. All right. So is there anything else that I haven't asked you that you think our listeners could benefit hearing from you before we move on to the final three questions of the show?
2: I would say two things. Um, One of the biggest kind of buzzwords in in the hotel world is surprise and delight. So we're constantly thinking about ways to go above and beyond for our guests. And I would encourage all of us as SDR owners to to do that as well. Um, For me, it's Uh, a welcome amenity, a a branded tote bag that I've created to carry towels to to and from the lake when people are going, um, something that they can then keep and hopefully use again in the future and think back to their stay and and hopefully book again. Um, The other thing is being hyper-local. And I think this is an area that STRs actually have a leg up against hotels if you want to feel like you live in a destination or like you are a local, um, something that really ruins that is walking in and out of a hotel lobby. You very quickly realize you're not a local. But walking in and out of your home in a location really does that, it makes you feel so a part of of the locale. Um, so I think we should we should celebrate that and we should really um lean into um things that that excite the destination and show it off um, the best. In, In the past, you know, 20, 30 years ago, when people traveled, they were looking for the big box hotels that looked, felt, and smelled the same no matter where in the world you are. But I think nowadays when people travel, mostly they do so because they want to feel like they're someplace else. So how can we as hosts encourage and enable our guests to see the best of the destinations that we know probably better than anybody?
1: Great advice. So on to, now that we're running out of time, on to the last three questions of the show that we ask every single person who comes on. So what, first one is, what advice would you give 20-year-old Katie?
2: I would tell 20-year-old Katie that most people don't know as much as you think that they do (laughs) And, and don't underestimate your ability to figure things out. I think Uh, In anything in life, but particularly in real estate, it's really easy to convince ourselves that, you know, everyone else knows more than me or has more money to invest or comes from circumstances that set them up better for this than I do. And I think we need to quiet that imposter syndrome to allow ourselves to actually take the first step. Um, I, I worked for a woman in the very beginning of my career who was a great mentor to me. I became very close with her and her husband. And when she was leaving the business, her husband said to myself and a coworker, um, You guys will always be successful because you know how to figure things out. And we were about 24 years old at the time. So we started laughing. So, why are you laughing? said so, because everyone knows how to figure things out like that's a prerequisite to working and then he laughed at us and said oh you guys would be surprised. So I think if you really want something don't let the imposter syndrome hold you back and never underestimate the ability to find creative solutions to make it happen.
1: Great advice. And next question you're so right like so many people cannot figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> um okay next i'm just thinking of examples in my brain next question <laughs> what advice would you give a new investor who's interested in getting started today
2: i would say the two things that were most important to me the first was know your worst case scenario um so i was able to run the numbers and realize that if not one guest came I would be okay to make those monthly payments now of course my goal was for many guests to come but it helped me sleep at night to know that if worst case scenario happened i was okay and then the second thing is invest in something that you yourself would be a customer of first of all that helps you to understand your customers and anticipate their needs so much more but secondly going back to that worst case scenario if worst case scenario happens when you don't have bookings, you yourself will be excited to use the property as well.
1: Yeah. I think a lot of people forget about that part that it, you will be excited. It's okay to have an off season and you get to use it during the off right. season without cutting exactly. into your income. And that's awesome. Absolutely. And last question What's your favorite book that's impacted your mindset?
2: I loved your book, Avery. I think it's um, it's really good for everyone to make sure that they read that. Um, in addition to that, I would suggest I Will Teach You To Be Rich by Ramit Sethi. It's not a real estate investing book, but it's a really great um, precursor to personal finance. And personally, I think it's important to have your personal finances in order before you start investing in real estate. Um, I also would highly recommend Simon Sinek's Start With Why he does a really good introduction into the concept of purpose. And I think whether it's the purpose of um, why our guests are coming to stay or the purpose of why we are getting into real estate investing to begin with, it's a good um, big picture question to take everything back to.
1: Great recommendation. So again, Katie, thank you so much for coming on. If our listeners want to follow you or your property on social media, how do they do that?
2: Yeah. We're at trout landing on Instagram. would love to hopefully welcome everyone as guests as well.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much guys. And we will catch you on the next episode of the short-term show. You'll have a great week.